10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and... Brad Bobo. And we welcome you once again to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. It is episode five and our first game week edition of the Second to None podcast. And game week just feels a little bit different. Yes, it does. Uh, it, it is different than anything prior. I mean, fall camp doesn't have the same deal. I mean, it's a. Uh, You've counted down, and it's some people, depend on how little you have to do, the further out you start counting down. Some people, it's 100 days out, but when you get to single digits, especially if it's under seven, then from a fan standpoint, then you know, man, the game's getting close and get all excited. From our standpoint, there's a little bit of that too, but the smaller that number gets, just the more you realize what all needs to be done between now and Saturday. You know, there's so many little things that have to get done just – on our list to get ready for a broadcast interviews with coaches you know finalizing our charts our broadcast charts as we get ready to go into saturday and and just all the little details Uh, we've got our first live with the red wolves coming up wednesday night out at lost pizza excited about that but you know dotting the i's crossing the t's making sure everything's ready to go for saturday and then once we finally get to saturday that's when we can have a little bit of fun but in the meantime yeah. you know it's it's fun for the fans all week long and i don't know how it is everywhere else but i know there's a lot of places that aren't close to what we have at arkansas state when it comes to week one atmosphere and that's not just at the stadium it's all across town with the paint the town red stuff that goes on in jonesboro yeah that's been a little bit different the last couple of years uh this one is closer to normal obviously than last year like a lot of things but yeah, paint the town red is is a big deal uh this week and beyond listen fans may hear these coaches talk about it and not think they're telling the truth or they're kind of paying lip service or something, but we've had enough conversations where we're just shooting the bull with these coaches to know that uh, not just football benefits from paint the town red week, because every sport and not even just from the standpoint of, Hey, every sport, you know, make uses football games to bring in visitors or whatever recruits believe it. The window painting is a big deal. Every coach will recruit kids, and every kid, their parents, will come in and talk about how cool it was to be in Jonesboro on a recruiting visit and see all the places in town that had their windows painted up with the Red Wolves and stuff. And that may be six months after Paint the Town Red Week. So for as, as big as this week is from that standpoint, it's the gift that keeps on giving from a recruiting standpoint the rest of the year. It's amazing how many student athletes and coaches have commented on the window paintings around town over the years. And you're right, it does make a big effect on the program as a whole and obviously the community does a great job kind of getting behind paint the town red week and there's a lot of activities that kind of go on 
around it. And one activity that didn't happen last year that will be back this season is coming up on Thursday night, Order of the Pack at Centennial Bank Stadium and kind of a great chance for the students to get involved. That's such a cool event, you know, going back a long ways to be an order of the tribe. I got to be, you know, part of a few of those back in the day. And uh, it's just cool to to get all the students out there and have all the athletes out there and at some point kind of go over, you know, different traditions and and, uh, teach them up a little bit before you cut them loose. And hopefully they'll handle it on their own starting Saturday night. There is a back-the-pack rally coming up Friday from 4 to 6 at the new Embassy Suites. And what's going to be neat this year is to see the effect that the Embassy Suites has on the game day atmosphere. And, of course, it, it was coming up last year, but last year was kind of an entity of its own. This is This is a completely different feeling going into this year because we expect much bigger crowds and the embassy is actually a big part of game day we we mentioned this uh, event on friday but there's a lot of stuff going on saturday too yeah i mean a lot of our stuff was i say our meaning east arkansas broadcasters a lot of our stuff before and after the game will now be centered out of the embassy suites you know we've got uh the Grizzlies coming to town this week to hang out with us. Uh, they're wanting to be around in the pregame atmosphere. They're talking about bringing the Claw Crew and the Grizz Girls and maybe even Grizz himself. They'll probably be hanging out with us, sort of centered at Embassy Suites, uh, giving away Grizzly stuff uh, as part of their caravan stop in Jonesboro. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, last year, again, was it open? Yeah, but you almost it doesn't count. Starting now and moving forward, it's interesting to see uh, the role Embassy Suites plays on game day. Yeah, they've got the uh, Rock the Dock event with live music coming up on Saturday, too. And you, know, you mentioned the stuff we have going on radio-wise. Brandon Baxter uh, from Brandon Baxter in the morning on our flagship station, uh, 107.9 K-Fine will be there from 2 to 4. Leading up to our pregame coverage at four, then, you know, Kara Ritchie will be there after the game hosting Wolfhouse. So those are just some of the things coming up at the embassy. Now, the event leading up to the game that I'm looking forward to the most, and it's always one of my favorite events of the year, is the Hall of Honor Banquet, which will be taking place Friday night at the Woodard McAllister Family Club area inside Centennial Bank Stadium. And we're going to be inducting a new class of former student athletes at Arkansas State. And Brad, you know, I've hosted this event for quite a few years now, and we've had some great classes. But I can tell you honestly here, I don't think we've ever had a more impressive class than the one that's going in Friday night. I agree with that. And I wonder sometimes if I think that just because with one exception – you know, these are athletes we saw compete. When I say, when we make that comment, and I stand by that comment, that it, it may be top to bottom the best class ever, that's not a knock on the rest of the classes, and I'll acknowledge there probably is some recency bias in that statement. But still, when you look at this bunch, uh, it, it is cool because, like I said, for the most part, these are all people we, we know, people we saw compete and have seen what they've got to do firsthand since leaving Arkansas State, and it is an impressive group. Ryan Applin and Demario Davis headlining 
this Hall of Honor class. And, of course, you go back over the last decade and the success that A-State football has had, two of the people that really got it started were Ryan Applin and Demario Davis. And, obviously, they've gone on. App, now a coach here at Arkansas State, and is working his way up the coaching ranks and then demario davis if anybody has followed him over the last decade they've seen the success that he's having and has turned into one of the better linebackers in the nfl so for those two guys to be inducted and yes you know demario will be here on friday night and i'll tell you who else is planning to be there on friday night and you and i have already you know talked to him Mm -hmm. this morning as uh, we're recording this uh, is Steve Roberts, who recruited both of these young men to Arkansas State. Yeah, and it'll be cool. I, and I'm not the least bit surprised to have heard that and got a chance to visit with Coach Roberts. And as you're listening to this podcast, he was on my show with me Monday afternoon talking about the recruiting of these two guys. So uh, no surprise to he- see him there and the pride he feels in those two. And then, uh, you know, from there, you know, Joe Slayton, another football guy. I mean, you got to be good if you go in as a punter. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, uh, you know, we had another punter. Kyle Richardson was inducted into the Hall of Honor. and He won a Super Bowl. He went on to win a Super Bowl with the Ravens. But Joe Slayton, the guy that's still very close to the program. And I remember, you know, Joe driving me and you and Allison to the stadium before the uh, the win at the cure bowl he was he was our yeah. transportation there in orlando but uh, a great career as a punter at arkansas state sharika nelvis mm. one of the all-time yeah. greatest to ever do it here at a state and track and field also yeah, going still uh, you know still at it obviously we all but made the olympic team this past year uh and still competing and still helping the program at the same time. So, uh, Sharika won a couple of national championships. And then, uh, you know, guy, you and I both saw play and, and know real well, Todd Baumgartner, who, uh, still close to the program, his work with the FCA and, uh, work. I, I'm fortunate enough to get to sit with him at a lot of uh, baseball games and talk ball with him. So it's uh, cool to see Bomb get the call. Yeah, I, I love, you know, he's found this identity with uh, FCA and people recognize him as that now. But look, he's one of the best baseball players Arkansas State has ever had. And you're right. And I was able to call uh, almost every game of his career and, and uh, just – watching him play you know you knew you had something special I remember you know when Keith Kessinger recruited him you know from Edwardsville Illinois and his parents said hey he's got to be within a four-hour drive of wherever he's going and Keith said he drove as fast as he possibly could on that recruiting visit. He got there in about three hours and 56 minutes or whatever it was. But he he had to be hauling to get up to Edwardsville in that amount of time. But uh, anyway, he came here and had a fantastic career, the all-time hit king. And then one other honorary inductee into the Hall of Honor uh, on Friday night will be Gina Bowman. We got to know Gina very well, still involved at Arkansas State and the university side, but just uh, a fantastic woman, number one, but uh, 
she she was the sports information oh, department yeah. at A State for a long time. Yeah, I mean she uh, did it for a long time. It did a great job, uh, and she loves this place. And it's uh, I, I love the fact that they're giving her this distinction, an honorary Letterman who you know more than deserved. Uh, if now I've said before, if if I just had the money to just cut what, what price whatever it took to get it done, that media room in that press box would have Gina's name on it. That's uh, fitting to the contribution she's made to the program. There's a whole lot of people that would go along with that, and I'm certainly one of those. But uh, I'm glad they're honoring Gina, putting her into the Hall of Honor as an honorary inductee coming up on Friday night. Again, uh, that event gets started they'll have kind of a social time at six o'clock the dinner starts at six thirty, and we'll get the program started after that but cool to kind of see the guest list and and all the people that are that are coming into the letterman's club hall of honor banquets on friday we've got a lot of stuff to talk about as we continue along here on this second to none podcast presented by simmons bank when we come back we'll talk with ace day chancellor dr kelly danfus stay tuned for that you raised your family here did every July 4th here, refinished the floors here twice, sized up your daughter's boyfriends here, waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz, Brad Bobo, and we're joined now by our good buddy and chancellor of Arkansas State University, Dr. Kelly Danfus. How you doing, chancellor? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing Super, great. Super, yeah. Man, what's, yeah. What's it not to be it's doing game, great about? Game week. It's, yeah. It's game week, so we're all excited about that for sure. Paint the town red week. Brad and I were talking about that just a little bit earlier, and I know you've been in several different places during you know your career, but to go from you know, one place in town to another and see all the businesses kind of painted up the way they are and the way – the entire city of Jonesboro just kind of embraces paint the town week is not really something that happens in a whole lot of communities, but it's really cool to see here. Well, you know, uh, it, I think that's something that we need to celebrate more. And I know that when students come to town, when they're checking out Arkansas state university, we're not just selling the university and the campus. We're also selling Jonesboro. And I hear many times how pleased people are to see all the red wolf, you know, regalia and all the painting on the on the uh, uh, windows of all the businesses as, as they drive around town says a lot to incoming students about how much the town, you know, appreciates the role that Arkansas State plays and uh, not just economic development, but in the culture and the and the history of, of this of this city. And and uh, I think it's really remarkable. As you said, not a lot of towns have this. I've been in oh, let me see, uh, six different college towns in my career. And nobody has anything like this in any of those towns. It's a, you use a, an interesting phrase there because this is, even goes beyond paint the town red week. And I know it's something that that you've wanted to do on the campus and beyond. But it's make Jonesboro a college town because a long time, for a long time, Jonesboro was 
a talent with a college in it. Now we've got a lot of stuff happening to, to do exactly that, to make Jonesboro a college town. You know, I heard that when I first came here, and I'm, I'm pushed back on that a lot now. There's a lot to do in Jonesboro, and I'm never at a loss for things to do, and there's more and more coming. And, uh, and so this is, it really is a college town. And I was nervous when I first got here that people would, like, scrape the, the paint off their windows after the first game was over. <laughs> and I yep. love that they leave them up there the whole time. And it, it, it's, it's kind of a cottage industry, the, the guys that do the painting. There was one guy that was doing it for a long time, and now there's a couple folks that are doing it. And, um, you know, we've, we've granted a lot of leeway. Uh, again, not a lot of universities do this, but we've granted a lot of leeway for folks to use our mark uh, when they're doing this because – we think it reflects well in the university how much the town and the businesses, you know, uh, you know, want to be involved in in our university, and and so yeah, and so it's not just it's not just this week; it starts this week, but it's a it's an entirely you know year long phenomenon, and the fact that those those folks leave that up there the whole time really says a lot about uh, what they think about the university for sure. So I love it. One thing that always stands about you uh, stands out about you, and one of the things uh, I think we admire about you most is just your accessibility to everyone around the university, but in particular to the students, and you know, getting them to embrace the athletic programs. And, and this time of year, uh, in particular, the football program is such a big deal. And one thing that we didn't have last year is the order of the pack event and still one of the cooler events that that happened in the very first game week we'll get to experience that coming up on thursday night and i think that's as good of a chance as any for the students to kind of get behind what's going on well you know again think about unique things i've been to a lot of campuses that don't do anything like this and i've been to other ones that do something similar so when I was at Texas A&M, they have uh, yell practice the night before football games. They get out there and they practice cheering. Well, they don't cheer. They yell there. But, um, you know, that brings a lot of excitement to the campus when that happens. And that's what I love about Order of the Pack. Um, you know, and that's, by the way, it's open to the public. People can come and watch if they want to. It's very exciting to see the students get excited. But we're trying to teach them about the traditions we have about the students coming. And, and uh, I know a lot of people know about the traditions of the Pines and what happens back behind the stadium. Uh, but we uh, we want to put a full court press on getting those. Sorry, pardon the mixing my metaphors here with basketball and football terms. But we want to make sure that <laughs> we students do it all know the time. That, that that they're welcome inside the stadium as well because they play a huge role for us. And Coach Jones has said that from the beginning. He needs the city of Jonesboro to come up to games, but also the the campus to come out as well. And students play a huge role uh, in athletics and uh, just uh, you know. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was at the volleyball tournament and uh, in our campus, and the band was there. Not very many students in the student section yet, uh, but the band was there, and they they provide so much life uh, in those in in that environment. Uh, and students do the same thing with the you know the naked guys and all the fans coming out, student section coming out. Uh, the the players love to see uh, the students in the student section fill it, fill the place up. And last year we didn't have order the pack. You're right, uh, but we had a pretty strong student section throughout the whole year until uh, I think till the very last game when the weather wasn't quite cooperating. Uh, but uh, we expect to see the same thing actually even more this year. Uh, Coach Jones had a meeting with some student leaders last year and they've come up with a new name for the student section called the House of Howell. And uh, you're going to see a lot more of that, I think, uh, a lot more promotion about that for the uh, coming uh, home game uh, schedule as well, trying to get 
again, encourage students to come out and attack the house of howl out. Yeah, I did think the, the student section was uh, pretty good last season, quite honestly, when the rest of the stadium couldn't be. Uh, yes. You go back to 2019, and not, look, I, just my opinion, and you don't even have to weigh in on it, but I, I honestly, in 2019, I don't recall there being one home crowd that I was really just blown away by. I'm looking forward to uh, these first couple of weeks. Hopefully that change in and would be disappointed if it doesn't. I'll be disappointed too. I know. I know. Coach will be because he's worked really hard to, you know, uh, encourage folks to think about what it's like uh, for the for the players to see a full stadium versus a half stadium. And you're right. I was. I was. I've. I've. I've wished for bigger crowds in the past. I think that one side of the stadium fills up a little better than the other. Um, and I, you know, I'm always hoping people will come. And I think that um, I think there's a lot of excitement about the new coaching staff and. And uh, we've got the best schedule I, I think we've had, if not, if not forever, for a long time. Yeah. I know we have a couple of Thursday night games that always affects things. And we don't have any Saturday home games in October, which really disappointed me because that affects tailgating, I know. Uh, but we're going to be on national TV twice on uh, Thursday nights. And, you know, it's, it's a chance for us to show the rest of the, the country how much we support our football team. So we're, working really hard uh, about, you know, trying to make sure the community knows that, you know, the, the doors open and get the students on campus to come to the games as well. I think, I think you'll see something. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a positive person. So I think we'll see some improvement there this year yeah. for sure. I, the biggest disappointment for me in the, the no Saturdays in October is that, uh, you know, in almost all likelihood, that's where homecoming would land if you had it. Yeah. So it's all, I mean, you're always kind of, the later it gets, the more you you bring in other kind of factors into play with weather and whatnot. And I, I can imagine on campus, it's, it's never plan a to have homecoming in November. Well, we had two choices. We had September yeah. 11th, <laughs> September 11th, is way too soon for a homecoming. Yeah. And then we had November 4th, you know, or, or 6th. And so, yeah, that was, that's a huge kink in our schedule, but I will say that, you know, uh, November is to me November's football weather, and so as long as it's not raining or 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 sleeting mm-hmm. or something like that, I think a November game, a homecoming game, is not that bad. It's a great uh, uh, a great team we're playing that day, and so I think there'll be a lot of excitement around that. Uh, it also is our military appreciation weekend, and so there's a lot going on. We're going to be naming. Uh, renaming the ROTC Armory there, and so uh, uh, we had Debbie Turner is going to come back and sing the national anthem, and awesome. so it'll be a lot of things happening on that day. So it'll be a lot of fun. Talking with A State Chancellor Dr. Kelly Danfus here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. And Saturday we will play a football game, and it will finally be the debut of. Butch Jones, the 31st head coach in A-State football history. He was hired back in December, but you know you can look at the resume, and the resume speaks for it, itself. He's had the success at Central Michigan, at Cincinnati, and uh, at Tennessee as well. He spent the last three years with Coach Saban at Alabama. But, you know, I, I know there were a lot of good candidates that you and Terry Mahajer were looking at uh, back in December. What was it that, that kind of made this the guy that uh, that impressed you the most? Well, you're right. We did have a lot of good candidates. It says a lot about the football program that, you know, when uh, Coach Anderson 
uh, announced he was leaving. It didn't take long for a lot of sitting football coaches and, and people with a lot of good experience uh, to, to express interest in the position. And um, I, says, I think it says a lot that we were able to hire someone like Coach Jones and then also late, not long after that hire someone like Tommy Bowen to come in with that kind of experience level uh, that this is an on-the-job training kind of position anymore. This is a, a very attractive job. The facilities are, you know, second to none in the in the group of five and and rival many Power Five schools. And so, we've got great facilities, great, great tradition. Uh, we're in a really good uh, competitive league, and so this is an attractive job. So, I was glad to see that my belief and what I see about our about our program was kind of borne out by the number of people and the quality of people that were that were interested in the position. We had a lot of people who had been, who were either currently coaches or former coaches uh, interested in the position. But I will tell you that um, two things stood out to me about Coach Jones in the interview that we had. The first thing is that he said, I'll, I'll never forget this moment. He says, I want this job. I mean, he wasn't like, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, you guys have to convince me, Bob. But he said, I want this job. And he, uh, he said, you guys got you're in an enviable position. I've scouted you guys, um, and I think you're you're in a great recruiting location. Uh, I think I can bring some some coaches in there. I think I can bring some players in there. Uh, there's some things we got to work on. He said we've got to work on our strength and work on our conditioning. But I think uh, this is a great place, and I want to be there. And I I always love it when you when someone starts off the interview by saying that, like I want this job, right? And so that was the first thing. The second thing is that he, and this is borne out in my experience too, he seemed really prepared for this position. He had a, <laughs> a notebook, uh, a three-ring binder, and the first few pages were kind of his resume, but the, the last few pages, and there was a lot of pages in that last section, were about our team. He had scouted our team, and he was, he, he was talking about the personnel and the plans that he would bring here and the, and the, uh, the uh, programs that he would start when he came here. He was super prepared for that meeting. He knew who we were, and uh, he knew what the challenges were. Uh, he identified that what they were in advance, and then he had a plan for all those. And so he presented that plan in that first meeting. We were going to have an hour-long interview, and it ended up being about three hours. And wow. and frankly, it was um, you know I, none of us could wait for it to keep going. <laughs> you know, we, we, as soon as we walked out of that room, I think we all knew that this was going to happen. And um, and then it was just a matter of kind of walking through, uh, you know, all the all the the back end stuff of you know making sure we follow through with all the other interviews that we had already scheduled and so on. But uh, you know, almost from from the jump, I, I I thought this was the guy, and he is not disappointed at all. He is, I don't know anyone more prepared than him uh, on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. and no one more organized than him. And what he's done. Uh, to prepare our young men to compete on Saturday, not just mentally but physically, uh, has been unbelievable. I can't wait to see how that all translates to success in the field. That's one thing you hear. I mean, you talk to uh, the assistant coaches, the players, uh, just uh, they're blown away by Coach Jones and his attention to detail. And the, the only other instance, and this is before you got here, Chancellor, but you know, when, when Coach Raffo was hired back in the day, I remember you know, Dean Lee, who was the athletic director at the time, talking about how Coach Raffo brought in this 
80 page notebook just this <laughs> plan of what he was going to do with a state baseball but when somebody and I, I'm, I'm sure this goes well beyond athletics i mean if you're hired you know for for any position if somebody is is that driven and pays that much attention to detail you know that's going to make you stand out as much as anything else well especially when you're like applying for a job uh, to show that you're dedicated before you even have it, to show that you've got a plan, that says a lot, that they've researched you, they understand who you're about. They're not just pulling it in based on their reputation, but they actually have a plan. And that, that says a lot. I mean, uh, that's a great lesson for anyone else who's out there thinking about applying for a job somewhere. I mean, you got to understand the people that, that you want them, that, that are hiring, you know, who are they and, and how can you help them? How can you fit in here? And uh, Coach Raffo, that's a great example. I'm not surprised by that at all. Super prepared guy. And, and um, I had a great conversation with him uh, a couple days ago, by the way. He's, got, uh, he's really excited about his new uh, pitching coach, and he's got some plans for you know, uh, things we're going to do at the, at the uh, stadium to kind of address some issues that are there as well. It's one of the great things I love about Tommy Bowen. He's, he can chew bubble gum and walk at the same time, so we're trying to get ready for football season, but he's already thinking about you know, baseball and how can we improve things and basketball as well and so uh there's exciting times ahead in athletics for sure but uh yeah coach uh super prepared i was really impressed this past week that he actually practiced the whole process like how do we uh, you know he he talked about the process a lot but uh how do we like how do we get to the stadium from the hotel and how does the walk lucky he he rehearsed all those things i was there saturday night they actually rehearsed coming down the tunnel and running out in the field because you know, none, only two of the coaching staff have done this before, and only about half the team has done it before. And so they rehearsed that, and they rehearsed, like, going back for halftime and resting and then coming back out in the field again and stretching again after that. I mean, he rehearsed everything. So there won't be any surprises on Saturday, people not knowing where to go. And so it, it, preparation is so important in these days. Um, there's so much, especially during a football game, there's so much going on during a game. Uh, communication and preparation will help you not make a bunch of little mistakes that can cost you a game pretty quickly. Dr. Kelly Danfus with us on the Second and None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. And as we visit a week into now uh, the fall semester, one in which you've had to do more COVID stuff than you probably thought you would (laughs) when last academic year ended. But how's uh, the first week of class has been at A-State? Well, uh, you're right. So last year, you know, in May and June, we were thinking – you know, hopefully we won't have to be dealing with COVID, but we planned pretty heavily for it in case it remained a problem. And of course it did. And so we planned, we spent all of last summer, you know, creating our return to learn plan and, and then carrying it out in the fall and spring. And, you know, we, we, we learned a lot and figured it all out. And then in, in May, you know, everything, you know, restrictions being lifted all over the country, including all over the state. And so we're thinking, you know, the fall semester is going to be back to normal again. And then the Delta variant comes back into Arkansas pretty quickly. Uh, we, we experienced the Delta variant before other places did Missouri, Louisiana, Mississippi, and us got it pretty, pretty early on. And so we knew in July that things were going to be different in the fall. We didn't at the time have the authority to, to have a mask mandate on campus. So, so we were organizing around that. But then when uh, the, the court case happened and yeah. there was a, a lifting of that restriction on the, on the math mandate. We incorporated that, but again, we learned a lot, so we know what works and what doesn't. And uh, we had a 
really successful first week. Uh, students get it. Everyone's used to wearing masks now, and so we didn't have any problems with students not wearing masks in the classroom. And, and uh, faculty are figuring things out. The campus is more alive than it was last year for sure. And so we had a lot of in-person classes last fall. We had a lot of classes that were online as well. But I was looking out my window right now. There's students walking all over campus, and it feels good to have everybody back. Uh, we're, we're doing fine on infections on campus. I think we had uh, the most recent count. We had seven uh, students uh, who are in isolation. They've tested positive. Uh, the problem is that not a lot of the, uh, those who are testing positive have been vaccinated yet, although we have, you know, there's breakthrough cases as well, people who are vaccinated who are getting, who are testing positive as well. But we monitor that every day, and we've, we've worked out all the uh, procedures for keeping people safe, and, and we're, you know, we, we just like they do in athletics sometimes, they say uh, we're taking it one, one game at a time, we're doing one week at a time here for sure. Um, but I think we're I think we're in good shape, and uh, we'll just keep plugging away. We again, the big thing here is communicating what our rules are, uh, making sure people follow them, making sure people understand why we have certain rules. Because sometimes if a rule comes out, if you don't understand why, it's really hard to obey it. Um, but we've been very clear about the importance of wearing masks and why we're doing that, and then uh, and then monitoring the situation really closely. And so uh, if things kind of settle down with, with COVID throughout the semester, we can ease back a little bit on our uh, on our uh, uh, restrictions. But for now, we're trying to do everything we can to keep folks safe. Are you still living at the dorm or have you moved out? So we never we never officially leave there. So we're, we have the dorm room there all the time. We move back and forth. Uh, we, could, we, we actually uh, slept in our room, our, our house last night. Uh, but we'll go back every every once in a while. And there's an event going on. We'll go back to the dorm, and we're there for Halloween and for uh, you know the week before Thanksgiving and things like that, and uh, finals week. So we're there kind of periodically in and out. But uh, uh, it it gets kind of hard to be there all the time because uh, you know, we have a dog, right? And so everyone loves yes. to be on campus, but having a dog in an apartment is a lot of work. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so we go back and forth a little bit. Uh, but we're back home. Last as of last night, we're back home. Well, I, I think that's just so cool. It, you and your wife Beth do that. Now, is that something that that you just decided to do when you got here? Have you heard of other people doing that before in your position? What was it that made you, you know, want to move in to to a dorm and and be right there with the students? Well, you know, I uh, it's a great question. I don't know that I know if other chancellors do it. Um, but I was a, I was a faculty in residence at a residence hall at my previous institution. So Beth and I had been living in a dorm already for four years. So we've been in the freshman dorm uh, there. And what I learned was, uh, first off, uh, I think I think students and parents think it's kind of interesting that there's a chancellor there. But I think there's some comfort there, knowing uh, that the chancellor's not afraid to live in the dorm. I know that last year. There was some concern about me living in the residence halls because of COVID, but I said, you know, if, if I don't think the dorms are safe enough for me to live there, how can I ask our students to live there? So it's part of it is kind of showing that, you know, I think that the residence halls are safe to be in, but also, you know, comfortable to live in as well. But then I also learn a lot about, uh, learn a lot about what's happening on our campus because we talk with students kind of in a, in a less formal setting. We're just sitting out in the lounge area in the, in the common space and talk with students. I hear a lot about what's going on. In fact, uh, I have a lunch at one o'clock with some students. They're part of this group that's, um, they're, uh, they're 
they came a semester a, a month early to, to campus, and they're like high achieving students, and they're getting prepped to go into medical school. I never even heard about this group, but I met ran into a couple of them. So I said, hey, let's get, get together and have lunch uh, sometime when the semester starts. So I'm having lunch with them. I would never have heard about them if I hadn't been kind of hanging out with them in the in the dorm. And so, uh, so I think it's I think it's something we'll keep doing uh, uh, while we're here because uh, we learn so much from it, and I think it it sends a good message about how important it is to live uh, on campus if you can your first year, and and how good our residence halls are. And our we got great housing staff, but we also have great housing facilities. Uh, I put our housing facilities up against anything in the country. We've got some really good places to live on campus. Our, our food services is fantastic. And so uh, so we love doing it. And um, uh, it's it's a special time for us, for sure. Spend these last few minutes talking about uh, a couple of uh, other titles you've picked up recently. Uh, <laughs> becoming president of the Sun Belt and the chair of its executive committee on July 1st. And this week, officially beginning your four-year run. Uh, representing the Sun Belt on the NCAA's board of directors, what a time to pick up that gig! Yeah, not much going on there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, you know it's interesting. So, uh, the NCAA has been in a lot of flux probably for the past ten years, but it seems to be cycling at a at a much higher rate right now. And then, um, and then conferences are also struggling as well. COVID caused a lot of, a lot of stress on folks. And then the changing landscape about the financing of, of, of college athletics has, has put a lot of pressure on schools, too, to make decisions like leaving a conference where you've been for a long time to go to another conference because there's more either stability or more money available there. That's caused a huge upheaval. And then you align that with the other interests that are coming about where people are more interested than they were before in uh, in student athlete welfare, so protecting students from, you know, maybe some bad acting that happened in the past, but also giving them more rights over things like their name and their image and their likeness, and also the ability to to uh, you know capitalize on on their on their own success as well. It's a perfect storm mm-hmm. of uh, of of change that's about to happen, and then you pile on top of that the recent court cases uh, where the NCAA has, has come out on the short end of uh, that is causing people to think about, you know, what is the future of the NCAA as an institution as a whole? Um, it, it is a time of tremendous change and tremendous stress in the NCAA offices and the conference offices. Um, the anxiety about worrying about, you know, the dominoes that start to fall when people start moving around conference, uh, from conference to conference, that puts a lot of pressure on the conference office staff as well, trying to, you know, you know, remain calm while everyone else is starting to to uh, to to act. Uh, that's it's a lot of pressure for sure, but it's a great time to go there. I, I love the opportunity to, to to represent the Sun Belt at the NCAA level and to represent my school at the Sun Belt level as well. Um, uh, and it'll it'll stretch me for sure. But I'm looking forward to learning more and about being part of the solution uh, that we need to work towards. As if you weren't stretched enough and i always i always worry about you because you're our friend and i just think when does this guy sleep how many hours of sleep are you averaging a night well you know i i used to sleep when i was a kid i'd go to sleep pretty late but i would sleep late my dad would you know saturday morning come kick me out of bed to help mow the lawn or whatever just as i got older i don't need as much sleep as i did back then so 
I stay up pretty late, but I get up pretty early. So I don't know, four or five hours of sleep a day. But, well, that's all you need. But I but I sleep fast, you know. So <laughs> make it all up. Hey, uh, and, what, uh, and you know what? I'm blessed because you know somebody somebody asked me like, how do you balance life and work? And to me, there's not there's really no balance there. It's it's out of balance. But it's really about managing the imbalance. Uh, and I'm blessed because I've got a great staff. I've got a great leadership team. I've got a great assistant and Julie Wyatt. And then uh, I've been blessed with a tremendous wife and some great kids that understand, um, you know, how my job is different than it used to be and and how the, the pressures that are there and also the time commitment that is there. And so Beth and I, it's, it's our hobby to do my job. And so she's, she doesn't have a job that where she gets paid, but she, she has taken on this you yes, know, position as the first lady, if you will, uh, to a, to a level that I think is unparalleled as uh, spouses of presidents, chancellors around the country, where she is like all in on this. And that helps me a lot. So I'm not always thinking, man, I, w- I should be at home with my wife right now because she's th- sitting right beside me while we're doing stuff. And so that's been a great, uh, you know, great help for me for sure. I know we can talk again, but before this happens, but I want to go back to the NCAA thing. One, one last to get you out of here. Uh, I mean, we could see seismic shifts. We might not, but we could. Up to, I mean, there's a constitutional convention coming up in November for the NCAA. Uh, as you know it now, what would the board of directors' role be in that event? Well, I think it'll be huge, and so they're not. They're looking at the Constitution itself and not the entire organization of the NCAA. And so there is some limits to what they'll be looking at. But I think the expectation is that they will make big changes. Uh, they're not going to be nibbling at the edges. And so the board of directors and the board of governors will have a huge role to play in uh, messaging, uh, you know, what direction we go into and approving those directions and, and uh, getting the membership of all the uh, universities uh, aligned. Remember, it's not just uh, FBS schools; it's the entire NCAA, um, you know, program. Which the enterprise is huge, mm. looking at all the divisions and all the sports and so on. So, um, it, I think the changes will be seismic in, cha- in, in size. There will be huge decisions that we've made this in this year, and uh, I think the plan is to have the changes put in place or. or uh, reviewable by the end of the fall semester and voted on in January. And so they've got a really tight timeline. They've got a great uh, person with uh, Robert Gates is running this. He doesn't fool around. He's not looking at a three-year time window to get this together. I mean, he's he's actively uh, working on this right now. So I think there'll be big changes, and I think the changes will come quickly. Uh, and they probably need to. That You know, large organizations like the NCAA tend to work at a very uh, methodical and slow pace. Uh, and that's been one of the complaints about the NCAA, general, uh, to be honest. And I, but I think the changes that will come will be fairly large and will be fairly rapid. Been visiting with our friend and A-State Chancellor, Dr. Kelly Danfus, here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Looking forward to a great Paint the Town Red Week. And, uh, Chancellor, hopefully we can cap it off with a win on Saturday night. Well, I hope so, too. I, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, I. I've been to several scrimmages and practices. I think our guys look prepared, and but you never know till they till they. Uh, everyone's got a plan. They get punched in the nose, right? And so <laughs> we'll see how things work out here. But we got a great opportunity to play some really good schools before the conference uh, play starts, and then you know uh, our conference schedule is really good as well and pretty favorable. We got a lot of 
good teams at home this year. And so uh, I, I have uh, I have a really good feeling about this coming year. Coach, the, or Coach, Chancellor, we're, we're so used to wrapping up that. interviews with I Coach. I wish I got paid like a coach. Yeah, we, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we wrap up interviews like that all the time. But, uh, <laughs> Chancellor, thank you for the visit. Uh, you're the best, buddy. Appreciate you. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I love your podcast, too. It's great. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender subject to credit approval. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Really enjoyed that visit with A-State Chancellor Dr. Kelly Damphus. And uh, as we look ahead this week, obviously, you know, the football is a main focus going into Saturday, but... We've still got other sports going on as we you know, kind of look at what the soccer team's doing. They played a couple of times last week. They fell at Missouri State last Thursday, one nothing. They lost to Ole Miss Sunday, 2-1. to one. They're going to be back in action Thursday. They go to UAPB on Thursday afternoon. Then they'll host Kansas Sunday at 1. And, Brad, I know you were out uh, this past week. Caught a little bit of I the did, Ole yeah. Miss game, but had good crowd out there. Did and you know Ole Miss is a you know just around the fringe of a top twenty-five team, a team A State played in the spring. You know Brian Doodley is not fooling around with the schedule. He knows he's got a heck of a soccer team, uh, one that he's confident can go ten minutes further than it's been the last couple of years. Uh, if if they're ever allowed to play a championship match full strength the whole time they're going to win it and go to the NCAA tournament he's put this team up against the schedule that when they get to the NCAA tournament they're going to be prepared to stay there um, matches like Ole Miss get you ready for that you know 1-1 for a good long while Ole Miss scored you know uh, 70 some odd minutes in to get to get the 2-1 win but there aren't many teams in this country of any that these Red Wolves can't go out there and give themselves a chance to win against Meanwhile, the volleyball team got the season started this past weekend and the A-State Invitational played three games in two days. They beat Tennessee Martin in four sets in the season opener Friday, then fell to Missouri State in four sets on Friday night, lost in five sets Mm -hmm. to Wichita State on Saturday. And I know you got to call a a couple of those matches over the weekend on ESPN+. I did. Realistically, the probably... I'm sure Coach Restrepo would tell you, probably should have swept Tennessee Martin, uh, dropped the first set of that match that they'd led throughout, uh, then came back and won the next three. Uh, And then, you know, I think this team had a little adjustment against Missouri State for the first time in a long time, dealing with playing multiple matches in a day. You know, there wasn't a lot of that. There weren't those multi-team events last season. And this team didn't get to play its match in the Sunbelt Tournament because of COVID. So, you know, they hadn't been in a tournament type or classic type multi-games in a day. It probably got them a little bit uh, on Friday night. And then Saturday, I mean, look, I thought they played great. You know, Wichita State had swept its first two matches and, and it 
pretty convincing fashion. And uh, that was a good five-set match. You know, as a matter of fact, A-State had won the, the odd number set. So I was hoping they would keep going one more time. But Wichita State won the fourth and then uh, went on a little run there late to get the fifth set. So, you know, mixed bag of results. But, I mean, Macy Putt was just phenomenal. Uh, the week the weekend she had uh, she had her her career high going into the weekend was 21 kills that was the lowest number she had in the three matches oh wow uh, from a kill standpoint so she got off to a great start and I'm um, looking forward to see you know, where they go from here. Now, they're on the road a lot. They're, I don't think they have a home match in September. So uh, when October rolls around, there's conference home matches. Hopefully, uh, people get out and see the volleyball team. And, of course, the football team kicks off the season Saturday, 6 o'clock kick time against UCA, a good UCA team that's ranked 14th in one uh, FCS preseason poll. I saw they were ranked 13th in another. I think it's the coaches are 13th, I believe. Coverage at four on the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network from Learfield. Having to kind of mix up the broadcast a little bit this week. You know, you're usually on the sidelines for our radio broadcast and certainly a huge part of what we do on the radio side. But because Roger Twibel is going to be out, not just this week, but next week on the ESPN Plus side, you're going to step into that role coming yeah. up this weekend and i like look i like being on the sidelines a lot i mean i like being down there close to the action the year i uh, didn't do any of that and i sat in the stands it about drove me crazy so I, I enjoy that but i'm looking forward to this uh uh to get to you know try something new here uh, on the tv side with pete cordelli and uh, Corey keller be part of our broadcast um, i'm anxious to try that and actually this one this first one's actually ends up uh, i know saturday night's on espn3 uh which actually oh, yeah. you can get to even without an espn plus subscription so we'll be there saturday night but yeah looking forward to uh to trying this out and hopefully not screwing it up too bad game day atmosphere will be back this year excited about that uh halsey thrasher harpole sponsoring tailgate city this year so we'll have that set up yeah. again mention the rock the dock that's happening at nbc suites they've got live music going on and uh, all kinds of stuff uh happening over at the embassy including the red wolf walk which is actually coming from that direction this year yeah it's, so it'll be new stuff you'll be sure you check out you know, online astateredwolves.com and the places to make sure you got the right information so it'll look a little different the uh, embassy suites is uh, we, we talked earlier it's going to play a big role in game day moving forward all right and so, by the way you said game day atmosphere is back if this crowd's not good there's no question what next week's rant's about. Well, look, back-to-back home games to begin the season, it's the first time that's happened since 1987. And, look, if you and I are sitting down to make a schedule, you know, any non-conference home schedule for any year, you cannot pick two better opponents outside of Arkansas than UCA and Memphis. Yeah, be so, the two you'd put in there. Yeah, UCA and Memphis have drawn – the best crowds in non-conference play over the years. So, yeah. and I'll this tell you, is how I'll, you I'll do you one better. Draw it up. I guarantee you, the top ticket-selling games in A-State history have all pretty much been against UCA or Memphis. There might be games where there are bigger <laughs> crowds, but I'd be willing to bet the top ticket-selling games in the history of that place have mostly all been against either UCA or Memphis. All right. Anything you wanted to get off your chest before we get out? You of know, here? this is more of a personal, uh, uh, just a. Uh, Public service announcement. 
more than a rant. I'll take it easy today. But since we're talking the first game, and you may be on social media talking smack with your friends uh, in Central Arkansas, wherever the case is, next week against Memphis, let's all get on the same page about this. Arkansas State's mascot is the Red Wolves. That's two words, capital R, capital W. Arkansas State's a member of the Sunbelt Conference. That's two words, capital S, capital B. And if you don't want to type out Arkansas State all the time, don't type out ASU. Type out A State. And that's capital A dash capital S T A T E. It's not capital S T capital A T E. A dash State. While and while we're at it, that thing right there, A State. We love our guy Jerry Scott, sports information director. Now I'm going to rip him till the cows come home because it's just my gimmick. But it's a gimmick. He's great. And I'll tell you what, he'll get mad at me for saying this, but folks, folks came after Jerry Scott in the offseason. He made a decision to stay at Arkansas State, and Arkansas State's better for it. Now, with that said, what I need my boy Jerry Scott to do is get as obnoxious as some people get about telling people what to call this place. It's uh, And really, I mean A-State. It's time to really push that that's what you need people to call it. It's not ASU, and it sure as heck is not arc state and arky state and believe it or not when we're around i've had we've had people around this league if we're in circles with other places in this sunbelt i've heard them call this place arc state or arky state yeah and i want to backhand them well and i don't know how they got into that habit we've never referred to ourselves as arc state no. i know our friends at troy kind of got into that habit i don't want to backhand point. them about arc state i'll tell you that, that's not as bad. And here's the deal. And you kind of, I'll give you credit because you kind of led the charge on the whole A-State thing and getting back to just everybody calling it that. And this is, you know, going back to early in my time at Arkansas State. Folks were still saying ASU for a long time, but the more we said A-State, and I kind of went exclusively to A-State, you were doing that, kind of a champion for that phrase i think people really started to to catch on to it you you don't hear many people around jonesboro around northeast arkansas refer to arkansas state as asu nearly as much as what you might have just a few years ago newspapers will do it because they still take themselves too seriously and it's officially the name of the school so that you won't see them call it uh, you know, a state, which I mean, I you know, look, I worked in newspaper a long time. I could take or leave that notion. I still think they could too. But look, I mean, it's just time to, uh, you know, if, if it takes being obnoxious about it, let's get obnoxious about it. I mean, the Cajuns have had a, a, a level of success trying to speak this Louisiana thing into existence, and that's not even the name of their school. So we could try this thing out and, and get it to catch on a little better. Yeah, man, that's a rant for another day. <laughs> it's been a fun podcast. We appreciate our friend and A-State Chancellor, Dr. Kelly Danfus, uh, for joining us. Took 30 minutes of his day to be a part of it. Really excited about 
game week finally being here, the debut of Butch Jones at Arkansas State. We've got a really good in-state opponent coming into Centennial Bank Stadium and would love to see it packed at the vault coming up on Saturday. Again, our coverage on the radio side begins at 4 o'clock, kickoff at 6, and uh, you can hear that across the entire EAB Red Wolf Sports Network from Learfield. Brad will have the call over on ESPN. Hey, but you don't get rid of me that quick. I'm still going to be with the folks at 4 o'clock with the television show. Yeah, you'll be with us. Still get a little bit of bobo on there. There you go. Radio just what everybody was after. All right. uh, For Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.